Presto, there it is. What up, ladies and gents? It is Thursday, S-H-I-T. So, so happy it's Thursday. And today, we're going to talk about getting you out of the rat race. Let's find out who we're talking to. Here we go. Shut, Shut up, up and sit down. down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business, business Bros. Bros. <laughs> All right, Ham, it is your time. It is time to drop that fire. Fire. Speaking of fire, will this heat wave ever end? It (laughs) might in San Diego, but not here on the Business Bros Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, you are really going to want to tune in today. We have an awesome show and an incredible guest lined up. Someone who can help you get a step closer to meeting your financial goals and saving you a ton of work in the meantime. We've all heard that 90% of startup businesses fail. With what our guest has to show us today, someone else has already done the hard part of building a business, and if you've got what it takes to take over, you'll be on your way to financial success. Our guest helps you be your very own Shark Tank entrepreneur and decide if a business is worth investing your time and money. Joining us today from www.buyingonlinebusinesses.com, give a warm welcome to the host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, Founder and CEO of Buying Online Businesses, Mr. Jared Crowd. Jared, welcome Woo. to the program, man. Thank you so much for having me. What an awesome way to start your podcast. It's so cool what you guys are doing. I love it. Oh, it's some fun stuff, dude. All we got to do is have fun on a daily basis, and that's that's what makes our day. Jared, you're coming to us all the way from Australia. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Dude, down under. And yeah, down under. So it's tomorrow. <laughs> so for you, it's Friday. So for those of you who are listening, uh, who are Jared's fans, uh, yeah, it is Friday. Uh, but for us over here in the U.S., across the pond, uh, on the other side of the world, we are still on Thursday. So, Jared, I want to know, man, how do we get out of the rat race? I'm just going to hit you with the hard question right up front. How does one get out of the rat race? How do you define it, first of all, I guess? Wow, that's a it's it's very different to every single person. Um, would you like me to talk to my method of, of how I did it? Yeah, let's let's go with that. And well, first of all, before we get into how you did it, how do you define it? Because I think everybody has a different you know definition of of getting out of the rat race. How do you how do you define it for people? The the achievement of getting out the rat race and what that is, or yeah, yeah, what that yeah. is. Yeah, so for me personally. It's time freedom. Uh, you can always make more money, but you can't earn more time. Uh, and I know that's easier said than done in theory. And we're like, when I was in the position of like, I just freaking want more money, man. Like, it's it's not like, like I was chasing money over time and I'd put in more time than, um, than money. And so I think the exiting the rat race is really just having more control of your life. And the more control of your life, then you can you can bring in better circumstances, not just for yourself, but for others around you, like friends and family and stuff like that. And that's what I define uh, exiting the rat race and, and what my goal was for and what everybody I teach to do as well is I teach them to have 
a more fulfilling life, not just the success metrics and the vanity metrics of like, I don't have a job, look at me, Hmm. but more about like, hey, I get to live the life that I want and um, be fulfilled. You know, today I had my post on Instagram said, uh, you know, money doesn't make you happy. But it doesn't make you sad either, just saying, right? Like that's that's kind of one of those <laughs> sure. things where, you know, it, it, here's the thing about money. It has that, that negative connotation at times and people might put a negative stigma on, uh, you know, you can't get to heaven. You know, rich people uh, have an easier time going through the eye of a needle than going to heaven. You know, that, there's all kinds of negative connotations with having money. And I think it comes down to when you have more than you need, uh, then then what are you doing with it? Like uh, what, what's Forrest Gump's line, Ham? Forrest says uh, – you, there's only so much money a man needs, and then after that, the rest is the for rest showing is off, for right? Showing off. Uh, yep. And and you know that's that's a whole different conversation. But for us, I think when we're talking about getting out of the rat race, it's when you have enough money that your money works for you. You no longer have to work for it, right? And that's that's what we're we're trying to achieve. I think most people, and you're exactly right, struggle with the idea of having more money versus having more time. Time is the only thing that we can spend that we don't get back, right? Mm. So. Tell me a little bit about what you did to get yourself out of the rat race. I love your belief system before I get into my, my story and how I got out, but I love your belief system around like money, money's good. Like it's a, it's a tool. Like the more of you have a tool, the the better you can make the world, right? You've got a bigger and better tool to leverage and, and to help more people. Um, so I think your belief system around money really is super important when you get into wanting to, escape the rat race because money can make you more of who you are. It can, if you're a great, good person, it can make you a better person. If you're, you know, a greedy and selfish person, it can make you even more of that. Um, so I think and that's a, like Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> Language. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Sorry. I don't want to, I don't want to um, deter from your question. What I did is I, I actually had a bit of a, um, a bit of a hard time removing myself from the rat race. I was a plumber for many years and oh, wow. I found myself hating the work because I was commuting an hour, hour and a half to work and, and home and, uh, you know, big hours, 10 to 12 hour days. And I realized I needed to do something differently. And I saved up my money and went traveling. And on my trips, I was like, I love traveling. Like, I don't want to have to go back home to work. So I literally thought, all right, how do I, how do I travel? and make money online. And that's what I typed into Google, how to travel the world and make money online. Nice. And then I started my own travel blog and that turned into me knowing how to start website businesses and, and grow website businesses and run them. Then I started a, a little uh, startup e-commerce business, which just failed. Both, both these two things, both my startups failed because I suck at startups. <laughs> and uh, then I came across that stat you mentioned earlier James, that 90% of all startups fail. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, hang on mm-hmm. a second. Well, why would I do something so silly like try to start a business when somebody else has already gone through years of work and the struggle of starting a business to get it to a point where it's consi- consistently making a passive income? Why don't I just buy an income stream? And so I had to teach myself how to do that. And uh, I did that. I bought one and then I bought another and then I bought another. And I- as I traveled around the world a bit more, people were like, dude, what do you mean? Like you're buying websites. That's like never heard of. So they wanted me to teach them. And that's how I moved into 
what I do now. So let me ask you about that because, you know, I'm talking to people on a regular basis. People hit me up and they're like, Hey, I want to start a business. Uh, I don't know what to do. I'm in this step. And, and I always start off the same way. I'm like, look, if you're going to be successful in any business, the one thing you need is customers. If you do not have customers, if you don't have clients, you don't have a business. I don't care how good your idea is. I don't care how awesome it might change the world. If nobody knows that it exists, if nobody can, if nobody's buying from you, you don't have a business. Just that's just it, right? So when you're talking about startups failing, the the problem with a with a startup oftentimes is they have no plan for customer acquisition. There's no way for them to go out and acquire a new customer. And it's not that they can't, it's that oftentimes they won't, right? They think it's something as simple as I'm going to create one ad on Facebook and then the world is going to know what I do and they're all going to come to me, right? And so you, maybe you get a few customers at the very beginning and then you kind of plateau. James and I had this, a very similar situation when we started our first business. We would uh, we would walk around and leave door hangers on people's ha- houses, and then we added you know little stickers so they can take the door hanger, throw it in the trash, but put the sticker on their computer, and they call us when they need us. And all that is part of customer acquisition. But the moment you stop, the moment you stop going out and finding new clients, your your is the moment that your business begins to die. And I think what happens often with startups is there's so much going on in the business, right? There's so much, um, you know, I have to do the accounting, I have to wash the dishes, I have to make the food, I have to, you know, create my website, I have to do all these things that they fail to do the number one thing that their business needs, which is acquire customers. And 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 that's one of the the, the most difficult parts. So when you're talking about buying an existing cash flow, you know, an existing business. What I hear you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're buying a database of customers that is already proven to have purchased a particular product. And then from there, that's that's where you're taking a business. And now you're saying, okay, how else can I uh, market to these particular clients? What else can I sell this particular group of people that they're already buying from? How can I maintain this cash flow? That's- I'm your huckleberry. Yeah, for sure. And what you're talking about is um, people can just decide, I'm going to start a business and try and sell any product like a t-shirt, right? Mm -hmm. Or drink bottles. And they may be, you may think they're the coolest t-shirt or the coolest drink bottles in the world, but nobody's buying them. Not because you don't have exposure, but also product market fit is what we'd like to call it. It's like product market mm-hmm. is a huge thing. So sometimes people just don't want to buy what you have to sell, which means you don't have a business just because you have mm-hmm. products or services. Um, and so, yeah, when you buy a business, you're right. Like you're buying something that ha- has product proof of product market fit. And maybe they don't have existing customers like in a, in a membership type business would. Um, or a, or a sort of, you know sort of SaaS software as a service type business would already have returning customers um, and clients and churn all this sort of stuff. But maybe you're buying an e-commerce business that does have you know product market fit with drink bottles, and they've got a good SOP, which is a standard operating procedure of how to sell these drink bottles with a good marketing channel. And they know who their target demographic is. They know who their audience is. They know what they want. They know their fears, frustrations, needs, wants, and desires are. So they can target those people and give them the solution of hydration when they're thirsty well, or through well, their product. 
Okay, so so when you're looking for these companies to buy the these online companies, right? There, what you explained earlier was that <laughs> I'm on I'm in the business of finding an existing cash flow, uh, a cash producing asset, right? You're looking for a business that is spitting out cash flow. Uh, when people are selling these things, what are they? What are the reasons that they're selling for? I mean, I know they, those are going to vary, but but why mm. why are they often giving up a cash producing asset? And what responsibilities are you acquiring when you're buying? those cash producing assets what was the lot what what are you buying what are the assets you're buying was that yeah it? yeah so so you're buying yeah. a business right you're buying a business that is that is producing a profit right so yeah. there's a reason why buyers are selling them there's a, usually a reason why they're getting rid of this particular business and then when you acquire it what responsibilities do you have to maintain that business such a good question let's talk about the why would they sell it because People that are just new to this or they're just hearing, oh, I can buy a website business for like $10,000 to $20,000 or $50,000 or whatever, sky's the limit. There is some skepticism like, why would somebody sell something that's making money? Mm -hmm. that's, my, now, that's my question, right? That's, yeah. that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, why would, they, why would they do such a crazy thing? Well, when you think about it, people who purchase a house, maybe they don't want to live there forever. Mm -hmm. Even if they've got an investment property and they've got a, a good bit of gain on it and it's an investment property and they're like, I don't have enough money to do a renovation on it, so I'm going to sell it. And that person who purchased it still can see there's got some upside to that property because it still needs to be renovated or something like that. It's the exact same when you're buying an online business. Sometimes people have a business and they have it for two years to five years, maybe longer, and they've worked in it for such a period of time that They've kind of gotten over it. And like you said before, is like as soon as you stop acquiring customers, your, your, your business starts to die. And maybe they've neglected it for six months and they go, well, maybe I should sell this because I'm not actually having fun running this when I've got a bigger business. It's making more money. Mm. Or they get to a certain level where they're like, hey, I want to pull my money out and put it into another investment because I might have some cash here and I have a business here. If I put that together, I can buy a bigger asset and spend just my focus and my time on just one uh, business instead. So there are people out there that are selling businesses that have been neglected and are going, you know, trending down slightly. Um, you want to be careful of those. So you want to know how to do your due diligence. But mostly people are selling businesses because they want the cash to go away and invest in something else or, you know, pull it out and, and do something else with it or they don't have the time for it. So it's normally time or money why people are, selling so there is like yes please be careful please be a bit skeptical about buying a business that's declining you don't want to catch a falling knife but for the most part and most of the businesses that i see and my clients buy the the sellers are, are good people and they want to make sure they sell the business to somebody who's going to take care of the business their customers their clients and the team as well so i know people that have had quite large businesses and they want to sell it and they could have made more money by selling it to somebody who was just going to come in and remove the team and put their own team into it. But they, they chose to take the lesser amount of money to keep the team on board. So they stayed and had jobs. So yeah, there's, there's many reasons that people sell a business, but mostly it's, it's, they don't have time for the business or they want to pull the money out and do something with it. Dude, I almost had you. All right. So 
let's let's talk a little bit about what happens when you do acquire a business. Okay, so we we've basically what what we've narrowed down here is we can identify that there are opportunities out there. People are getting rid of some of these companies whether they want to liquidate for cash, they want to get out of a particular situation, their day-to-day activities. Um so from one perspective, you're identifying people who have a problem or a need in a business and you're supplying the solution by buying them out, right? Now, on the flip side to that, Right when you when we talk about when 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 we talk about things like getting out of the rat race or you know buying more time, oftentimes they don't go hand in hand with acquiring a new business because buying a business is almost like you're buying a job. There are things that need to happen in this particular business for it to continue to give you cash, for it to continue to grow. So when you do find a business that you're looking for, you vet it out, you decide you know this is something that has the correct SOPs already in place, the management is already in place, the the uh, distribution is already in place, the, pr- the product is already in place, those things are already there. What I hope you're insured. Exactly. I hope you're insured. But the insurance is already in place. The insurance is already in place. So what is it that you are looking for in a business? What responsibilities do you expect to take on? Uh, and how does that how does that affect your day-to-day? Yeah, you're so right in the sense that there's when you buy a business, you're yeah, you're buying an income, but you could go away and do something crazy which I don't think is the best way to go and buy yourself a job. Now, what I teach my clients to do is to not buy themselves a job because they want to get out of the rat race. They don't want to have to work. So the responsibility that you're taking on as a new business owner is to, yes, run the business, but you need to run the business yourself, not necessarily, because you can buy a business that has a team already, right? I bought a business myself that's already had a team. I came in and I just work on the business, not in the business. And what I mean by that is I didn't do the work the business needed to do to run and maintain. I worked on the business for growth strategies and the team worked in the business with all the moving parts. And so what if a business, what if you decide to buy a business where there's X amount of hours that you need to spend on it per week? Well, you can hire a team. You can hire virtual assistants. For myself right now, I'm looking at buying a business uh, right now. I'm in the market and I'm looking at all these different businesses and I'm looking for one that either has a team, right, or has enough money to cover the expenses of a team because I want to get my team and when I purchase this, I'm not going to be sitting down behind the computer all hours of the day running the business. I'm going to hire a team to do those moving parts and then I can have maybe one call with the team per week as a strategist and work out how we're going to grow the business. So at the start, when you do first buy your first business, is it's good to know how to run it and do some of the work for a certain time period. I've done that and a lot of other people have. But if you're new to it, yes, come in and learn some of the moving parts so then you can teach that to who you do hire and replace yourself, remove yourself out of the business. So that can become an asset that does it it is more passive if that makes sense yeah no that totally makes sense because uh you know having a team like that having a team that that basically holds up your weaknesses right there, there are certain things that you are not good at right you know oh, yeah. and you have to be you have to be self-aware to understand where you're weak right like you know in in any business 
I am not going to be the guy who does the accounting or I am not going to be the guy who, who hops on the phone and does the sales, or I am not going to be the guy who, uh, you know, understands the programming. You have your, your weaknesses and that team that you're looking for is, is designed to substitute yourself for those skills, right? You're expecting that your team and be better are than you. Yeah. Way better right. than you. Right. And so, and it's funny because when, when you're describing that, it reminds me of this guy that you probably know, Warren Buffett, uh, the way he buys uh, companies and he buys his shares in companies, he's buying uh, majority shares over time. And he's looking for companies that have those management teams in place. The only difference is that the, the companies that you're buying here are not publicly traded companies. You're buying uh, smaller end companies. Uh, and when you're looking at the management team that comes along with it, um, like one of the things that I know I would be worried about, or I'd be looking into is, is that bottom line. What are the expenses that are going in here? Is every team member in this particular, uh, business that I'm buying, do they help me turn the profit that I'm, that I need to turn? Because if not, I need to replace these types of team members. What is it when you, when you're looking at the, at the business that you're going to purchase for right now, for example, you're in the market to find something. Do you, are you looking for something in a specific niche? Are you looking for something that you like enjoy doing and working on? Or are you playing to a particular strength that you have? How are you picking the business that you're going after? Such a good question. And I love Warren Buffett and what he does. Uh, and my method is definitely based off what he does. I want to buy good assets. Nice. I don't want to trade them and buy and sell and flip and do all that sort of stuff. I want to buy good assets and hold them um, and where I can, you know, add value as well. So in terms of your question of like, what am I looking at when I'm buying a site personally, whether it be niche, um, you know, it's something I'm passionate about or whatnot. Uh, for me, the, the first thing that I'd like to cover and explain or answer, I should say, is that I'm looking for a certain business model for this business. This business is a content business. So how it makes money is through affiliate commissions and through advertising on the site. And the work that needs to be done to produce that uh, revenue is get traffic to the site by um, publishing great content. So it's a content website, content business. Um, the reason I'm looking for this is because I, we have a team that are great at content production and that's an asset that we already have that we can just instill into the business and that's how we can leverage it to grow and scale. In terms of niche, we, I'm not so particular about a niche or a passion because I'm not going to be writing about it. I'm not going to be do, running all the cogs and all the wheels myself. Um, you know, we've even looked at some businesses that are niches that the staff members or and the um, the VAs that like love, like say gaming or something like that, because it's going to make them do better work. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're not tied or attached to a certain niche. But I will say that anybody that is looking to buy a business is if you're going to buy something that's a faddy or gimmicky type niche or industry probably not an industry because it never evolves into that is like, I would say there's only a, a certain lifespan for that type of business. Like if you're selling, you know, um, iPhone five cases, you know, and your business is only selling iPhone five cases, that's going to get extinct quite quickly. Uh, so, and it's the same with any type of product that's going to not be around forever. So I like to go for an evergreen niche 
that. Well, let me ask you about when you're shopping for that evergreen niche, right? So when you're shopping for that that evergreen, what kind of capital do you have to come in to buy a business, right? So mm. you know, obviously, you're you're what you're describing is you're you're kind of open ended. You're looking for for a content based uh, company. So how does one go about buying that? Is it are you looking at annual revenue? Is there a multiplier at that point? Um, is there like a certain price point you wouldn't even look? Uh, you know, at like, you know, obviously on the high end, we have high caps, you know, whatever that's going to be. But on the low end, like if you see a business for sale for like $5,000, is that like automatically you're like, no, I'm not even taking a look at that. What's what's the uh, valuation that you're using to to look at the businesses that you're you're looking to buy? Yeah, to quote Warren Buffett, like you said before, it's better to buy a good business at a fair price than a fair business at a good price. So if you, like you said, $5,000, do you really think you're going to buy a good business for $5,000? I always mm-hmm. like to go to the analogy of like, you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. So um, when you're first starting, I like to tell people that if you're going to buy anything under the $10,000 range, you're buying yourself a startup where you need to put a lot more time, effort, money, energy and into it for it to hopefully pass that 90% failure rate, for it to hopefully give you uh, some sort of return. Now, I'd say to people buy anything above that 10K price range. For me, I'm, I'm above, I'm, I'm buying a bigger business than, than 10K um, and in terms of how we value it. So let's just stick with round numbers and the, the valuation. So if you have a $100,000 business, right, normally it's a three, three times annual multiple. So if a $100,000 business is selling, the sale price is $100,000, it's roughly going to be making around $33,000 per year. And we're talking, at that point, we're talking net after, net net after, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. So 33 divided by 12 Let's clarify clarify that real quick, Jared, uh, because a net profit versus my salary are two completely different things, right? So if you're the owner and you are not taking a salary and your your business isn't making any money or whatever, it's only making 5,000, it's not really a $5,000 business. You, you gotta survive at some point. So when you're looking at, at the net, what are some of the details that are important to you to justify what the net is? Numbers don't lie. However, where you place the numbers could be a lie. So you know, yes. looking at that P&L could be a difference. So what's your question? Where do you, like, how do you value it in terms how, of- How are you how are you judging the net? Does it, is it just oh, net yeah. after salaries? Does it include the owner's salary already embedded in there? How are, you, how are you calculating your net here? Depends on the size of the business. Anything under sort of the couple of, like two to $300,000 price range is you're not including a salary usually for the owner. Um, you're including expenses for, say, virtual assistants and consultants yes. and ongoing expenses. Um, but usually under that price range, you're not including uh, a salary for the owner of the business. As so the you start to go would up, be. the net would, the be, net their would be, yeah, the net would okay. be the salary of the owner. Correct. Yeah. And then obviously, like you said, you've got tax uh, after, after that as well. Of course, of course. Taxes, yeah. depreciation, appreciation, interest, amortization, all those types of things. Yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, that, that was my concern because oftentimes when, when you ask people about their P&Ls, right, your company making a profit, 
Um, the question always comes down to, well, do I include my salary? That's really technically my profit. And then after that, maybe my company made another five grand or whatever, 10 grand or whatever they're putting aside. So, you know, just to understand, so, so our listeners are aware and when mm. we're talking about the net here for the valuation of this, these types of companies, less than a hundred thousand or less than you said about 300,000 in sales, the net tends to be what the owner was making. Correct. And so I'll give you an example. A perfect example of that is that there was a business for sale that I was looking at, I think it was last week or the week before, and they had no, they were doing the work themselves. Uh, and they did have VAs prior to, and they stopped, they, you know, sort of got rid of them and started doing the work themselves. And then they based the business valuation off them doing the work themselves, which was little work, but I wanted to buy the business and use a team. So that net profit, a lot of that or half of that was going to get absorbed by the team, which meant I would have got a, a smaller salary. Yes, I wouldn't have been running the business, but I still would have got a smaller salary. Hence why I'm looking for a business that is already has the costs included of running a team or has a higher net profit per month. Yeah, so that's I can afford a, that's an important in. distinction right there, right? Because yeah. otherwise, you know, you're looking at the because we can go with multipliers all we want, and and mm. and I caution people that are always looking at businesses and they're looking at top line revenue, and they're like, you know, this business made a million dollars. That's great. How much did they keep? Because mm. the keeping part is the most important part. You can make a million, two million, ten million dollars a year if nothing of that is going in your pocket. It's <laughs> not a very good business. Who cares? Uh, yeah, exactly. And and yeah. you know, I, I tell agents all the time, real estate agents all the time, because they right now a big thing in in real estate. Well, for the last like ten years in real estate, it's it's been about you know building teams and and creating you know massive teams of a lot of agents, and that's great because you turn over so many properties and you have a lot of revenue coming in. But what's your net? If your net is coming in, and oftentimes when we look at their net, it's like less than 10%, uh, you know, that's not very good. You're better off being a solo agent and crushing it on your own. And so it's huge risk as well. Like when yeah. you're doing big multiples, like you're making a million rev a year and you're pulling in $2,000 net per month. That sucks. Like that's scary. That's too much weight pressure and stress for me. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All mm-hmm. right. I know we're running uh, low on time, but I still want to know. Okay, so you evaluate the the company. You decide that the that you you're looking at a three time multiplier, hundred grand. Uh, the net that we're talking about that that thirty three thousand essentially is is the profit to the owner. What's the next step in terms of buying it? Yeah. Uh, so once you sort of know the price, you need to go away and do your research and due diligence. So before you purchase the business is you need to make sure it is a good business. Now, when the seller or the broker has an asking price of the business for say $100,000, this does not mean the business is worth $100,000. You need to do your due diligence first and come up with a fair valuation yourself just because they're asking for a certain amount doesn't mean you need to pay for it. it's like when you buy a used car very similar and the same with when you're buying a house um, so once you've done the due diligence and if everything checks out then you come to the valuation and you submit your offer and you can go backwards and forwards between negotiations um, and then do you want me to keep going in, in the yeah yeah, uh, program, yeah so so once you've come to come to an agreement then you can sign contracts or APA, which is asset purchasing agreement. And then you can start the migration of the online business over to the new owner. 
and then you also start the training period. So when you buy an online business, normally any business, normally you'll have a period of training that you'll get from either the staff or the owner of the business and how to run the business. And this is a scary thing. This is a cool thing for people to know who are going to buy a business. It's the first time is that like, oh, I don't know how to run a business. Well, you get taught by the, by the best person who's ever run the business to run the business and that's the previous owner of it. So you get the, the best education uh, you can get for that particular business, which is it's very reassuring. And then you can start to implement your growth strategies or do what you wish as a new business owner. And that's a whole different can of worms, ladies and gents. Let me tell you, <laughs> at that point, the buck stops with you. You can try all kinds of great things in your business, spend money on marketing, spend money on this, try this out. And when it doesn't make a profit, it's going to be your fault. <laughs> but if it does take off, if you do the right things, that is also the benefit of what you do, right? And and like you said, the first couple of businesses you you started off didn't pan out, didn't work out. You learned what not to do. And now hopefully with a little bit of experience under your belt, you're acquiring businesses, you're looking at the, the teams, the staff, the, the procedures, you're going in, putting in your own SOPs, putting in your own processes and procedures, putting in your own growth plans and taking that that business that you bought, you know, at a hundred grand and, and hopefully 10X in it to, to bring in a million dollars in revenue with a decent 20 to 50% profit margin, if at all possible, right? Something around that, that point. Uh, dude, Jared, yeah. that's, a, that's some impressive stuff. At that point, ladies and gents, that's when your money starts working for you and you're no longer working for your money. That is the idea of getting out of the rat race. Is that right, Jared? Yeah, definitely. This is my, my biggest driver is I, I was able to get out of the rat race myself and a lot of people wanted to do the same thing. Um, that's why I started doing what I'm doing and I'm doing now and, you know, helping other people replace their income and getting out of the rat race. It's it's what really fulfills me. Um, and like you said, yeah, when you buy a business and you start to own it and you've never owned one before, it can be scary, which is why I help people not just go through the period of buying the business and make sure they don't buy a lemon, but also transitioning them into growing it and if so, buying more and building a portfolio. Um, because yeah, like we don't need to be the solo entrepreneur or do it ourselves. Like we should be doing it with people because it's not only more fun, but it's less risky as well. Well, I heard, uh, I heard a saying the other day, if you, uh, if you were in school and you were asked to take a exit exam and you got your friend that was good at biology to do the biology section and you got your friend that was good at math to do the math section you got the guy that was good at chemistry to do the chemistry section and the history guy to do the history section and you got a good grade you'd probably get hauled into the principal's office and expelled for cheating right because you can't <laughs> do that in school but in real life that's what you want to do. You want to grab the experts in each one of those places in your business, bring them on as a powerhouse team, and then move forward in the right direction. Nobody's going to take you into the principal's office if you do that in business. <laughs> They're going to applaud you, and then right? uh, your bottom line is going to be better for it. Jared, there's man, such, thank you. So, yeah, I just want to add to that point. There's such a great book, um, Good to Great, um, which is based on mm -hmm. having the right people on the bus. Yep. Just <clears> in the right exactly seats. what you said. Yeah, in the right seat, exactly. And yep. the people that make and move the biggest wealth and money in the world, they're the ones that are, you know, have the best team. If you look at Elon Musk, he is the best of the best working on what he's building. So one yeah. I just wanted to I just wanted to really push behind what you're saying there, Hernan, but 
that that's you know you're spot on like it's so good to to hear you say that analogy of the the test at school <laughs> the way it is right i'm yeah. I, i'm i'm a school teacher i i absolutely know and i tell my kids all the time it's weird because i'm going to teach i'm some of the rules that we have in the classroom are complete opposites of what they are in real life so i'll point out the hypocrisies in what we have in in the classroom compared to real life so that they can identify that look in classroom it's called cheating in real life this is how we get ahead this is what the, the things that we got to use. So, you know, for right now, don't do this. But when we get out of here, I 100% encourage you to do that. As a matter of fact, do that all the time. You, as a matter of fact, you live in the Google age. You live in the YouTube age. You don't know something, Google it, YouTube it. We do that on our show. Literally, when we don't have a guest on, I go online. I'm like, hmm, what do I want to talk about today? Tips on, I don't know, saving time. And I look at an article that's in Inc. Magazine. I'm like, look, eight tips. We're going to pull it. We're going to use the same eight tips. We're going to tell it, tell the audience that it came from Inc. Magazine. And we're going to go on our own opinions on what these eight tips are. Cheat as much as you possibly can. Give credit where credit is due. But there's a lot of information out there. Why reinvent the wheel? Just use what's already been, uh, what's already successful, and get get your butt into gear and get going. Jared, thank you very much, man, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time all the way from the other side of the globe. Thanks so much for having me, boys. I, I appreciate it so much. It was great. Well, before yeah. you go, before you go, uh, for our listening audience, why don't you tell everybody uh, where they can find you, where they can get in touch with you to learn more and buy their own businesses yeah cool um if you want to buy your own business where to buy them is jump on google and type in website brokers uh and then you'll come up and you'll it's like looking for a house to buy but what you're doing is you're looking to buy an income stream through an online business or website so type in into google website brokers and you can find all these uh online businesses for sale in these different website brokers uh, if you want to find out more about me, then you can go to buyingonlinebusinesses.com. Uh, I have a podcast. Um, we've been ranked in the top three best passive income podcasts online. Just one one other, Pat Flynn. So we're chasing Pat. Um, nice. And so, yeah, if you, if you guys want to check that out, you can check that out as well. It's free. You guys don't have to buy any of my stuff. Just see it. If you like it and vibe with it, cool. If you don't, then move on and, and find something you do gel with. Pat's a, Pat's a local San Diegan right here, so he's he's close by to us. We're chasing yeah, his crazy. tail too, but we're not that close. <laughs> let's, let's do it together. <laughs> let's do it together. All right, ladies and gents, thank you very much for joining us again on this SHIT. So happy it's Thursday. Thursday. We'll see you again on Friday. Peace. Yeah. Bye-bye. And we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.